Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. And we're really excited to dive into this conversation. And we have a special guest, Dr. Matt Chung. Welcome. Thank you. Very happy to be here. That's right. Oh, great. So today's topic, we're really going to dive into the Rare Disease Advisory Committee that Matt is a part of and also kind of talk a little about what they're doing with PCORI. And so Many of you know that my daughter um, has a very rare genetic syndrome. And so when me and Matt met, I was like, and he started telling me about the rare disease advisory committee and what you guys are doing. Of course, that was music to my ears. So we're happy to kind of address this topic. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? I'll be happy to. Um, I'm a retired pharmacist. And uh, with experience, one of the rare people who also have bench research as well as clinical research experience. Um, when I was a pharmacist, I worked mostly in teaching hospitals, but also have some experience in the outpatient and retail setting. Um, and before I retired, I worked in managed care for over 20 years, so I know the insurance industry pretty well as well as in the pharmaceutical side, because I represent the you know, pharmaceutical side in the negotiating for managed care contracts and, and customer relationship building and so on and so forth. Uh, but now I have time to volunteer to continue to learn and keep my mind sharp and hopefully help some people uh, along the way. Um, for the last seven years, I've been a preceptor for pharmacy students from the University of the Pacific uh, when they conduct health fairs during Medicare enrollment period, uh, they help the beneficiaries to select the insurance, review the medications, check blood pressure, glucose, give vaccines, answer the question, etc. Um, and just uh, to the last point I have that you have mentioned uh, and the subject of this conversation, I have been very active with the CORI for the last seven years as well, uh, which stands for Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, uh, in supporting them by reviewing research applications, uh, serving as an ambassador, uh, and for the last three years as chair of their Rare Disease Advisory Panel. 
Wow. Well, you've been really retirement has not slowed you down one bit. <laughs> well, this is the best way to keep young, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that that is true. They say, you know, when you stop and slow down, everything falls apart. So great, great to have you. So you told us a little bit about Pocori. So really, you know, we kind of had a brief conversation on the phone about the rare disease advisory panel, but I really want you to kind of explain to our listeners what exactly is the rare disease advisory panel and what are you guys doing at Pocori with that rare disease advisory panel? Yeah, I feel like I know about this panel after three years uh, of very intense work. Um, I hope people already know about PCORI, but very briefly, PCORI is funded, you know, through a bipartisan um, uh, initiative, actually before the ACA or Affordable Care Act uh, was approved in uh, 2012. And the idea is to help um, generate um, information and evidence to support patients make uh, clinical decisions about their treatment options. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, part of the the Affordable Care Act included uh, specific language to PCORI directing it to establish multi-stakeholder advisory panel to provide input to PCORI staff. Um, the Rare Disease Advisory pan- Panel is actually one of the two panels specifically written in the law, so they're mandated to to uh, support this panel, although they actually have uh, several other ones uh, established as well. The first panel met in April 2014, and its mission and tasks are guided by a char- charter that people can, if they're interested, uh, then find it on the website in PCORI.org. Um, the panel is consisted of patients and other stakeholders who represent the industry, payers, advocates, and and or advocates organizations, uh, clinicians, and researchers. Um, PCORI staff will select among the applicants, and then that will be approved by the Board of Governors for PCORI, uh, also a multi-stakeholder uh, board. And then a chair and a co-chair are selected among the members. And each member you know, initially has one to three-year term and subsequently all have three-year term limit to allow rotations of new and returning members each year. So as far as how the panel operates, uh, members of the panel would meet about two times a year, uh, mostly in person in the Pecoria office in Washington, D.C. The meetings are open to the public in listen mode only, um, listen only mode and recorded. Uh, The agenda, meeting summary, and recordings are posted on the Pecoria website. The reason that I actually, you know, uh, know this panel very well is that as chair, I also in between meeting have, you know, monthly and then bi-weekly just before the meeting conference call with the co-chair with the core staff to plan the meeting uh, and guide the directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in terms of, you know, your question about what it has done and what mm-hmm. what they're going to do in the future. Uh, one of the first thing I did when I became a member in 2016 is to go over all the meeting summaries and look at what the panel has discussed and achieved so I know where they were and where we could be going. So uh, this is by no means a comprehensive list. 
but I will just <laughs> um, mention a few that I think the audience may be interested in knowing. Oh, great. Um, so one of the things that we do is an ongoing review of PCORI's uh, internal and, and external processes in generating rare disease research topics, uh, mm -hmm. the mere review processes, and then uh, as well as evaluating whether rare disease research proposals were treated fairly by the reviewers because mm -hmm. uh, many people do not understand rare diseases. Yeah. And uh, generally, reviewers may or may not aware um, the rare disease proposals um, may be lacking in in scientific vigor mm -hmm. uh, because of the uh, small sample sizes and, and, yes. and the methodological challenges. So anyways, um, we concluded that really uh, it has not been so, uh, which, is, which is, you know, but still we are going to continue mm -hmm. to monitor that. Mm -hmm. um, the panel also developed and finalized and then disseminated rare disease guides for merit reviewers as well as investigators so that they can, they can, they can help them uh, mm -hmm. in, in securing funding for PCORI. Uh, and then we also reviewed and recommended enhancements to the rare disease application and the PCORI rare disease portfolio. So um, we also meet with other advisory panel to discuss common issues. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the products that is actually published is a landscape evaluation of the rare disease research standards, um, you know, in, through the literature and then publish an article uh, from the uh, panel members, selected members uh, who wrote that article. Oh, wow, so, that is interesting. Yeah, and then before uh, I finished my term, which is uh, October this year, the panel made several important recommendations that were accepted by PCORI. One is to enhance an engagement team to develop programs to support and empower rare disease research, such as creating the engagement awards, which are not research award but it's actually to gather people to get, mm -hmm. get together to talk about uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, generating research ideas and so on, and training of uh, rare disease patient advocates, you know, about how to do comparative research, comparative outcomes research. Okay. Uh, we also discussed the potential for developing a core outcome set for pediatric rare disease that cut across rare disease, uh, different rare diseases because they mm -hmm. do share common uh, issues. Yes. Um, so anyways, uh, that's just a very short list. <laughs> um, as far as the, uh, the, to the future, um, also prior to my leaving, uh, the panel has developed and prioritized, uh, you know, more importantly, prioritized a list of recommendations because we all have a lot of ideas. Uh, yes. The meetings are really filled with people kind of doing pop popcorn uh, in terms of, you know, what they see the, that PCORI could be doing. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we did is to, you know, along with the co-chair as well as the PCORI staff is to synthesize that list and send it back to them and ask mm -hmm. them to say, we have limited resources. Yeah. What are the ones that are more important to start with first? So mm -hmm. now uh, the core staff will know how to go about, you know, uh, making it happen uh, alongside with other priorities that they have to do. Mm -hmm. So one of the main areas that uh, I felt was very good is to identify, e that we identify issues and challenges uh, that are really common to patients and rare disease, you know, who are actually from, uh, with dealing with different rare diseases. Mm 
Yes. Um, and but then the issue is that many of them are very similar. Um, mm-hmm. So we're hoping that you know these are the, the examples of this kind of cr- what we call cross-cutting issues, uh, such as care coordination um, yes. between providers. You know uh, how to make a decision as to who to go with as primary point of contact, mm-hmm. and how to make sure they talk to each other. Uh, transition <laughs> yes. of care from youth to adulthood. Yeah, uh, and then and then maybe look at you know whether there are really good strategies to how to shorten the diagnostic journey mm-hmm. and ways to alleviating caregiver burdens. So they oh. they really have a long task to go. Uh, yes. But um, in okay. some ways I feel sad to leave, but in <laughs> in other ways I'm glad I don't have to deal with this for a while. <laughs> but the chair, the incoming chair already, um, I, bless his heart, um, uh, as you all know, Scott Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, the income chair, incoming chair, and he and okay. I had a long discussion, and he said that you know he he will have my phone number on his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> He'll put you on speed dial. <laughs> so I, I, even though you're you won't be the ongoing chair, it sounds like you'll be kind of helping them in the interim. So it'll be yeah. good with that transition. You know, it, and you touched on quite a few things, and you know, it's music to my ears because having um, my daughter has a very rare, and this is a genetic syndrome, it's called Jarko Levin syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she was, I would say, uh, 45th in the world um, documented case when she was born. And now there's um, maybe the last numbers I checked about 150-ish um, mm-hmm. people. So when you talk about that pool being so small, However, having those cross-cutting common themes, so it's a skeletal dysplasia disorder. So although there's only a couple hundred in the Jarko Levin pool, there's also other skeletal dysplasia disorders that kind of follow that same kind of category, although not completely identical, that we can kind of pull together. So it sounds like you guys are kind of building that sense of community because a lot of times when you're in this real world, I know from my experience, I feel like I'm in this um, canoe in the middle of the ocean all by myself. And it's really nice to hear that you guys are kind of bringing these, I would say, communities together to kind of work on some of these common goals. And when you talk about transition and Mm -hmm. primary care and who is going to be the point person when you oftentimes with rare, you also have all these other little sideline diagnoses. And so which one takes priority is always mm-hmm. a challenge. I, I know for us. So I'm excited to see what the panel does and really, really appreciative that Pacori is here and all, you know, that funds these opportunities and projects and pushes the research because you know, and a lot of our listeners as well, you know, there's always, I said, the data, the data, the data. They're always looking for the data, right? And so we can't get the data if we don't do the research. So I know right. I'm really appreciative of Pacori putting those resources resources there and for you as well for, for introducing me to this. So, you know, I know there's some people, some of our listeners that are tuning in and they may have a rare disease loved one or a rare disease child or spouse or family member or even neighbor, if they want to get more information about how to get involved, where could we guide or point them to to kind of say, hey. How I first started getting involved is is, uh, is related to my job at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very inspired by listening to all the stories uh, from patients or their parents or their caregiver talking about 
the kind of challenges that they they face every day. Mm-hmm. Um, many patients know that in their lifetime they may not see a treatment uh, if you know unless they're extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the but the issue is really is say how can we make their life still livable? Um, yes. And so I was actually very inspired, particularly inspired to be you know to get myself involved in it. Is that not just because I'm interested in pathology and then how we, in understanding how we got sick? Uh, is that one Chinese lady who has see over the, uh, the, yeah. the, the the podium? But mm-hmm. she, along with others, you know, led the effort to develop a advocacy organization in China that wow. gained tremendous public support, you know, including the arts, you know, um, uh, community uh, that that created activities and then they eventually forced China, who is, you know, which is, as, as you all know, you know, very stingy about their money because yeah. it is a still poor country. Yeah. Uh, with so many people, right? But they eventually mm-hmm. admitted they really have to take care of these people. So the first step, you know, really is to be educated about it. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, there are. The, I've met a lot of people who are very devastated by rare disease. But when you ask them about what they know about rare disease, um, everybody seems to say a few different things about it. So mm-hmm. we really should be educated on what is considered rare disease. What is mm-hmm. how is it defined in the United States? As yes. an example, in the United States, it's defined as 200,000 people um, or, or less uh, or any subtype of a disease with fewer than 20,000. And that wow. makes a whole world of difference in terms of knowing that because mm-hmm. and the resources behind you know, the Orphan Drug Act uh, and then also subsequently the Fidesia Act that, that, um, that really support uh, mm-hmm. the um the uh given more incentives to develop often uh treatment uh, mm-hmm. for patients with rare disease so understanding that is important you know as mm-hmm. you are looking to help you know other people or be involved in it um and so i really encourage people to be to um to be aware of some of these organizations out there there are actually many uh, mm-hmm. One is called the National Organization of Rare Disorders, or NORD, mm-hmm. uh, which is really a parent organization for a lot of single disease advocacy organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and they have a lot of very good information on their website, as well as NIH, you know, National Institute of Health mm-hmm. uh, has, uh, um, uh, has uh, their website on rare diseases, and they actually have people answer calls from patients who don't know what their diagnosis are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, also uh, you know, FDA has a red, uh, often drug, uh, office of red, often drugs uh, that's spearheaded by a physician that oversees the, the drug development, making sure that other division of the FDA uh, are aware of, you know, mm-hmm. when they're dealing with a rare disease, uh, that they have to give special considerations. Um, and then uh, one thing that I definitely, I mean, the first thing to start is that, you know, the what did we call the often drug day, I mean, uh, not often, the rare disease day, the last day of it every February of every okay. year is called the rare disease day, uh, which is spearheaded by Eurodis, which is the European Organization for Rare Disease, but they have a lot of coordination across uh, the world. 
are very linked to our rare disease organization in this country. Uh, and that day, we'll have a lot of activities. Um, if you just Google, you know, um, rare disease day, you know, it will mm-hmm. immediately pop up. Next year is going to be the 29th because we have a leap year. Oh, uh, and, extra special uh, and, day. Yeah, and then uh, all of this organization will have mm-hmm. buttons, will have, you know, to really just to educate the public, to mm-hmm. advocate for, you know, everybody to understand that, you know, uh, there are a lot of people suffering out there uh, who need our help with 7,000 rare diseases. Uh, even mm. though we have some treatment now, we're a long way off in terms of finding treatment or, or you know, ways to help them. And it is not rare at all. Um, yeah. If you add up that, you know, the the number of rare diseases and the mm-hmm. people affected, um, I, I I counted like several hundred stadiums. And yeah. then, but the sort number to remember is one in ten people are affected by rare diseases in this country. So it's not wow. rare at all. I did not know that. I have truly learned something today. Yeah, you know, and I, then I, I would also add mm-hmm. one more point. You know the. Mm-hmm. If you are affected by a rare disease or you have a loved one who is affected by a rare disease, speak mm-hmm. up. You know, it's yes. important to find your voice to share. To mm-hmm. sh- you're not alone. You need to uh, tell the story, the struggle, the triumph or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the, this voice, the more voice that we go out there will motivate more people to support mm-hmm. research. And then more importantly, too, uh, we need policy changes that yes. you know, that really uh, fix our, um, our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, everybody faces similar issues in terms of access, reimbursement, insurance, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But yeah. for people with rare disease, it's 10 times more challenging because Absolutely. they have to see multiple uh, specialists, Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you know uh, we really need to change the way we we deliver healthcare in this country mm-hmm. in order to in order to improve every you know it could ha- not just help you know rare disease patients it improve everybody's lives in this yeah. country. Yeah, you know, and I tell you what, you speak into the choir. I know you know for us we're based out of Houston, um, but my daughter receives a very um, specialized chest cavity surgery that is in mm-hmm. San Antonio. Yeah. And so what we faced, you know, this is a surgery that she needs, you know, to keep her living. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is the barriers and roadblocks when it comes down to insurance oh, yeah. and having to explain consistently and getting letters and, you know, really challenging the insurance companies as to why we're doing this and why we take, we're really taking her out of network to receive specialized care. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it is exhausting, I'll tell you. So when you say we need policy changes to support what we need as in the rare disease community, you know, I could stand on the rooftops and scream this because, you know, so I, I often, and this is no exaggeration, I often, as I'm approaching the mailbox, I tend mm-hmm. to, to get, I'm like, okay, what am I going to find in the mailbox yes. today? You know, Another what? Bill, right? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. So we definitely need to, you know, come together and really, really push for those policy changes. And I think as PCORI continues to support the rare disease community, I think, you know, we'll get there. I tell people, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. And so we'll yeah. definitely you know, keep keep going. So 
you know, yeah. and lastly, yeah, no, go ahead. Is there something? Yeah, I think, add? well, there are a couple of mm-hmm. points. I mean, right mm-hmm. now, uh, Congress is uh, looking at some bills uh, to reauthorize uh, FICORI, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the time is running out. Uh, we really okay. need, you know, uh, particularly Republican um, uh, senators uh, mm-hmm. and congressmen to support reauthorizing mm-hmm. it. There is some talk about uh potentially removing you know one of the funding streams and uh, the money the money is already pretty tight so yeah. um so i i wanted to put a plug in for supporting Picori and what they do you know it's not just mm-hmm. on rare diseases they deal with a lot of issues yes they do um, so and then another point that i want to say is to people to recognize this rare disease is not rare but it's actually very precious Mm-hmm. Um, many of these rare diseases are mutation of a single gene. It's far more simple, it, you know, simple from the standpoint, if we understood it, then we, we yeah. can fix, find a way to fix it relatively yes. easy. Yeah. Um, and we have seen a lot of examples of that. So it is important for us to learn, you know, these conditions because, you know, some people may not lock, live long enough for us to uh, to understand what what's going on. Yes. But if we really spend the time understanding it, these single this mechanism is in our and everybody's bodies. So mm-hmm. if we understand that one how it works, then you know through you know uh, the, you know constant you know and uh, uh, you know systematic understanding mm-hmm. of this, we can help a lot of people. You know, very mm-hmm. you know a very simple example is how bad cholesterol affects. Uh, red mm-hmm. heart diseases. You know, mm-hmm. th- this is actually written in the 2000, um, uh, uh, 2010 uh, report uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, is through understanding those people with a homozygous, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, hypercholesterolemia that we found out about HMG-CoA reductase of statins that actually mm-hmm. helps so many people, you know, preventing heart attacks and so on. Mm-hmm. So, there is a yeah. lot of opportunity if we actually focus on it, spend more time understanding it instead of saying, oh, they're just rare, but be yeah. really, it affects all of us. Yes, it does. It does. It does. So, you know, I truly enjoyed this conversation. So what? give us that website for our listeners that are tuning in and they want more information. What is that? What What is PCORI's website that they can find yeah. more information about PCORI and also the Rare Disease Advisory Panel? Right. So it's P as in Paul, C as in Charlie, O as in Oscar, R as in Robert, I as in Igloo or Ice dot uh, org. And then once you get there, then you can uh, you can just search for rare disease mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, or rare red disease advisory panel. And um, you'll be able to see what we have been doing and uh, all of the recordings, um, all the previous meetings of genders and the panel members, uh, their disclosure for uh, conflict of interest, their background mm-hmm. are all there. Okay. And, uh, I'm in there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, this has been a truly enlightening conversation. Again, our listeners, you know, get involved. Go to PCORI.org's website. Also, February 29th, the last day in February, Rare Disease Day. 
I know I'm going to try to pull together something really special and, and get involved and really, really kind of do something and promote Rare Disease Day in our Facebook group, which is a patient partner innovation community. So you can join us on Facebook there. And thank you so much, Matt. This has been a wonderful conversation. And um, I hope that everyone, I know I've learned something. I hope that everybody that's tuned in has enjoyed it just as much as I have. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure for me too. So thank you for inviting me to do this. Oh, you're so welcome. And we want to thank our wonderful partners and sponsor, Dr. Natasha Washington at ATW Health Solutions. And as always, guys, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.